Drabblecast B-Sides, episode 25, The Complete Fungi from Yagoth Cycle by H.P. Lovecraft, arranged by Norm Sherman. The Fungi from Yagoth is a sequence of 36 sonnets by cosmic horror writer H.P. Lovecraft. Most of the sonnets were written between December 27, 1929, and January 4, 1930. Thereafter, individual sonnets appeared in Weird Tales and other genre magazines. The sequence was first published complete in Beyond the Wall of Sleep. In order to achieve a more unbroken audio experience and cohesive narrative, the titles of each sonnet have been removed in this audio production, and the sonnets themselves reorganized into a different order. We hope you enjoy. So, without further ado, we bring you The Complete Fungi from Yagoth by H.P. Lovecraft. Farmer Seth was well past 80 when he tried to sink the deep well by his door. With only Ebb to help him bore and bore, we laughed and hoped he'd soon be sane again. And yet, instead, young Ebb went crazy too, so that they shipped him from the cottage farm. Seth bricked up the well mouth tight as glue, then hacked an artery in his gnarled left arm. After the funeral, we felt bound to get out to that well to rip the bricks away. But all we saw were iron handholds set down a black hole deeper than we could say. We placed the bricks back up when we had found the hole too deep for any line to sound. The house was old, with tangled wings outthrown of which no one could ever half keep track. And in a cellar somewhere near the back, an odd tunnel sealed with ancient stone. There, in dream-plagued childhood, quite alone, I used to go when night reigned vague and black, parting cobwebs with a curious lack, of fear and with a wonder each time grown. I'd come back one day with masons there to find what view my dim forebears had shunned. But as they pierced the stone, a rush of air burst from the alien voids that yawned beyond. They fled but peering through I found unrolled all the wild worlds which my dreams had told. John Watley took a home outside the town up where the hills begin to huddle thick. We never thought his wits were very quick, the way he let that cottage farm run down. He used to waste his time on some queer books he'd found deep in the cellar of his place, 
till funny lines got creased into his face, and folks all said they didn't like his looks. When he began those night howls, we declared he'd better be locked up away from harm. So three men came from Aylesbury Town Farm to fetch him, but came back alone and scared. They'd found him talking to two crouching things that at their step flew off on great black wings. Beyond this wall, whose ancient masonry reaches almost to the sky in moss-thick towers, there would be terraced gardens rich with flowers and flutter of bird and butterfly and bee. There would be walks and bridges arching over, warm lotus pools reflecting temple eaves, and cherry trees with delicate boughs and leaves against a pink sky where the herons hover. All would be there if never I had flung open that gate to this stone-lanterned maze where drowsy streams spin out their winding ways eternal under bending branches hung. I hurried back, yet the wall rose grim and great, and I found there was no longer any gate. They told her not to take the Briggs Hill path, which used to be the high road through to Zor, for Goody Watkins, hanged in 1704, had left a certain monstrous aftermath. Yet when she disobeyed and had in view the vine-hung cottage by that wooded slope, she could not think of elms or hempen rope but wondered why the old house seemed so new. She stopped a while to watch the fading day, then heard faint howls as from a room upstairs, when through the ivied panes one sunset ray struck in and caught the howler unawares. She glimpsed and ran in frenzy from the place, and from a four-pawed thing with human face. I saw it from my hidden silent maze, where the old wood half shuts the meadow in. It shone through all the sunset's glories thin, at first, but with a slowly brightening face. Night came, and that lone beacon amber-hued beat on my sight as never it did of old. An evening star, but grown a thousandfold, more haunting in this hush and solitude. It traced strange pictures on the quivering air, half-memories that had always filled my eyes, of bricks and stone, the wonder of a child, of some dim life I never could tell where. 
But now I knew that through this cosmic dome, those rays were calling from my far lost home. There is in certain ancient things a trace of some dim essence more than form or weight, a tenuous ether indeterminate, yet linked with all the laws of time and space, a faint veiled sign of continuities that outward eyes can never quite descry, of locked dimensions harboring years gone by, and out of reach except for hidden keys. I'm moved the most when slanting sunbeams glow on old farm buildings set against some hill and paint with life the shapes which linger still from centuries less a dream than this we know. In that strange light, I feel I am not far from that fixed mass whose sides the ages are. The place was dark and dusty and half lost, in tangles of old alleys near the quays, reeking of strange things brought in from the seas, and with queer curls of fog that west winds tossed. Small lozenge panes obscured by smoke and frost just showed the books in piles like twisted trees, rotting from floor to floor congeries of crumbling elder lore at little cost. I entered charmed and from a cobwebbed heap took up the nearest tome and thumbed it through, trembling at curious words that seemed to keep some secret, monstrous if only one knew. Then, looking for some cellar old in craft, I could find nothing but a voice that laughed. <laughs> The great hill hung close over the old town, a precipice against the main street's end, green, tall, and wooded looking darkly down upon the steeple at the highway bend. Two hundred years the whispers had been heard about what happened on the man-shunned slope. Tales of an oddly mangled deer or bird or of lost boys whose kin had ceased to hope. One day the mailman found no village there, nor were its folks or houses seen again. People came out of Aylesbury to state, yet they all told the mailman it was plain that he was mad for saying he had spied the great hill's gluttonous eyes and jaws stretched wide. Once every year in autumn's wistful glow, the birds fly out over an ocean waste, calling and chattering in a joyous haste to reach some land their inner memories know. 
great terraced gardens where bright blossoms blow, and lines of mangoes luscious to the taste, and temple groves with branches interlaced, over cool paths all these their vague dreams show. They search the sea for marks of their old shore, for the tall city white and turreted, but only empty waters stretch ahead, so that at last they turn away once more, yet sunken deep where alien polyps throng, the old towers miss their lost remembered song. The day had come again when as a child I saw just once that hollow of old oaks, gray with a ground mist that enfolds and chokes the slinking shapes which madness has defiled, in that the same an herbage rank and wild clings round an altar whose carved signs involve that nameless one to whom a thousand smokes rose eons gone from unclean towers apiled. I saw the body spread on that dank stone, and knew those things which feasted were not men. I knew this strange gray world was not my own, but Yugoth passed the starry voids, and then the body shrieked at me with a dead cry, and all too late I knew that it was I. I held the book beneath my coat at pains to hide the thing from sight in such a place, hurrying through the ancient harbor lanes with often turning head and nervous pace. Dull, furtive windows in old, tottering brick peered at me oddly as I hastened by, and thinking what they sheltered, I grew sick for a redeeming glimpse of clean blue sky. No one had seen me take the thing, but still, a blank laugh echoed in my whirling head, and I could guess what nighted worlds of ill lurked in that volume I had coveted. The way grew strange, the walls alike and madding, and far behind me, unseen feet were padding. It was the city I had known before, the ancient leprous town where mongrel throngs chant to strange gods and beat unhallowed gongs in crypts beneath foul alleys neath the shore. The rotting, fish-eyed houses leered at me from where they leaned drunk and half-animate as edging through the filth I passed the gate to the black courtyard where other men might be. The dark walls closed me in, and loud I cursed that ever I had come to such a den, when suddenly a score of windows burst into wild light and swarmed with dancing men, mad, soundless revels of the dragging dead, and not a corpse had either hands or head. 
They took me slumming where gaunt walls of brick bulge outward with a viscous stored-up evil, and twisted faces thronging foul and thick wink messages to alien god and devil. A million fires were blazing in the streets, and from flat roofs a furtive few would fly, bedraggled birds into the yawning sky, while hidden drums droned on with measured beats. I knew those fires were brewing monstrous things, and that those birds of space had been outside. I guessed to what dark planet's crypts they plied, and what they brought from Thog beneath their wings. The others laughed, till struck too mute to speak, by what they glimpsed in one bird's evil beak. do not know what windings in the waste of those strange sea lanes brought me home once more, but on my porch I trembled white with haste to get inside and bolt the heavy door. I had the book that told the hidden way across the void and through the space-hung screens that hold the undimensioned worlds at bay and keep lost eons to their own domains. At last, the key was mine to those vague visions of sunset spires and twilight woods that brood dim in the gulfs beyond this Earth's precisions, lurking as memories of infinitude. The key was mine, but as I sat there mumbling, the attic window shook with a faint fumbling. From Leng, where rocky peaks climb bleak and bare, under cold stars obscure to human sight, there shoots at dusk a single beam of light whose far blue rays make shepherds whine in prayer. They say, though none has been there, that it comes out of a pharos in a tower of stone, where the last elder one lives on alone, talking to chaos with the beat of drums. The thing, they whisper, wears a silken mask of yellow whose queer folds appear to hide, a face not of this earth, though none dare ask just what those features are that bulge inside. Many in man's first youth sought out that glow, but what they found no one will ever know. We found the lamp inside those hollow cliffs, whose chiseled sign no priest in Thebes could read, and from whose caverns frightened hieroglyphs warned every creature of Earth's breed. 
No more was there just that one brazen bowl with traces of a curious oil within, fretted with some obscurely patterned scroll and symbols hinting vaguely of strange sin. Little the fears of forty centuries meant to us as we bore off our splendor spoil, and when we scanned it in our darkened tent, we struck a match to test the ancient oil. It blazed, great God, but the vast shapes we saw in that mad flash have seared our lives with awe. led down a dark, half-wooded heath, where moss-gray boulders humped above the mold, and curious drops, disquieting and cold, sprayed up from unseen streams in gulfs beneath. There was no wind nor any trace of sound in puzzling shrub or alien-featured tree, nor any view before, till suddenly, straight in my path, I saw that monstrous mound. Half to the sky those steep sides loomed upspread, rank grassed and cluttered by a crumbling flight of lava stairs that scaled the fear-topped height in steps too vast for any human tread. I shrieked and knew what primal star and year had sucked me back from man's dream transient sphere. new. None knows how long it slept beneath that mound, where in the end our questing shovels found its granite blocks and brought it back to view. There were vast pavements and foundation walls, and crumbling slabs and statues carved to show fantastic beings of some long ago past anything the world of man recalls. And then we saw those stone steps leading down through a choked gate of graven dolomite to some black haven of eternal night where elder signs and primal secrets frown. We cleared a path, but raced in mad retreat when from below we heard those clomping feet. why some things hold for me. A sense of unplumbed marvels to befall, or of a rift in the horizon's wall, opening to worlds where only gods can be. There is a breathless, vague expectancy, as of vast, ancient pomps I half recall, or wild adventures uncorporeal, ecstasy fraught and as a daydream free. 
It is in sunsets and strange city spires, old villages and woods and misty downs, south winds, the sea, low hills and lighted towns, old gardens, half-heard songs, and the moon's fires. But though its lure alone makes life worth living, none gains or guesses what it hints at giving. some great void winging. I searched my dreams and memories for a clue, and thought of all the chimes my visions carried, of quiet Innsmouth where the white gulls tarried, around an ancient spire that once I knew. Always perplexed, I heard those far notes falling, till one March night the bleak rain splashing cold beckoned me back through gateways of recalling to elder towers where the mad clappers told. They told, but from the sunless tides that pour through sunken valleys on the sea's dead floor. Ten miles from Arkham I had struck the trail that rides the cliff edge over Boynton Beach, and hoped that just at sunset I could reach the crest that looks on Innsmouth in the Vale. Far out at sea was a retreating sail, white as hard years of ancient winds could bleach, but evil with some portent beyond speech, so that I did not wave my hand or hail. Sails out of Innsmouth, echoing old renown of long-dead times, but now a too-swift night is closing in, and I have reached the height whence I so often scan the distant town. The spires and roofs are there, but look, the gloom sinks on dark lanes as lightless as the tomb. Beware, Saint Toad's cracked chimes, I heard him scream as I plunged into those mad lanes that wind in labyrinths obscure and undefined south of the river where old centuries dream. He was a furtive figure, bent and ragged, and in a flash had staggered out of sight. So still I burrowed onward in the night, toward where more roof lines rose, malign and jagged. No guidebook told of what was lurking here, but now I heard another old man shriek. Beware, Saint Toad's cracked chimes, and growing weak, I paused when a third greybeard croaked in fear. Beware, Saint Toad's cracked chimes, aghast I fled, till suddenly that black spire loomed ahead. 
There were great steps and rocky tablelands, stretching half-limitless and starlit night, with alien campfires shedding feeble light on beasts with tinkling bells in shaggy bands. Far to the south, the plain sloped low and wide to a dark zigzag line of wall that lay like a huge python of some primal day, which endless time had chilled and petrified. I shivered oddly in the cold, thin air and wondered where I was and how I came, when a cloaked form against a campfire's glare rose and approached and called me by my name. Staring at that dead face beneath the hood, I ceased to hope because I understood. And at the last from inner Egypt came the strange dark one to whom the fellas bowed, silent and lean and cryptically proud, and wrapped in fabrics red as sunset flame. Throngs pressed around, frantic for his commands, but leaving could not tell what they had heard, while though the nations spread the awestruck word that wild beasts followed him and licked his hands. Soon from the sea a noxious birth began, forgotten lands with weedy spires of gold. The ground was cleft and mad auroras rolled down on the quaking citadels of man. Then crushing what he chanced to mold in play, the idiot chaos blew Earth's dust away. Out in the mindless void, the demon bore me past the bright clusters of dimension space, till neither time nor matter stretched before me, but only chaos without form or place. Here the vast lord of all in darkness muttered, things he had dreamed but could not understand, while near him shapeless bat things flopped and fluttered in idiot vortices that ray streams fanned. They danced insanely to the high, thin whining of a cracked flute clutched in a monstrous paw, whence flow the aimless waves whose chance combining gives each frail cosmos its eternal law. I am his messenger, the demon said, as in contempt he struck his master's head. The demon said that he would take me home to the pale, shadowy land I half recalled as a high place of stair and terrace walled with marble balustrades that sky winds comb, while miles below a maze of dome on dome and tower on tower beside a sea lies sprawled. Once more, he told me, I would stand enthralled on those old heights and hear the far-off foam. All this he promised, and through sunset's gate, he swept me past the lapping lakes of flame, and red gold thrones of gods without a name, who shriek in fear at some impending fate. Then a black gulf with sea sounds in the night. Here was your home, he mocked, when you had sight.
I do not know if ever it existed. That lost world floating dimly on time's stream, and yet I see it often, violet misted, and shimmering at the back of some vague dream. There were strange towers and curious lapping rivers, labyrinths of wonder and low vaults of light, and bow-crossed skies of flame like that which quivers wistfully just before a winter's night. Great moors led off to sedgy shores unpeopled, where vast birds wheeled while on a windswept hill. There was a village, ancient and white-steepled, with evening chimes for which I listen still. I do not know what land it is or dare. Ask when or why I was or will be there. Somewhere in dream there is an evil place where tall deserted buildings crowd along a deep black narrow channel reeking strong of frightful things whence oily currents race. Lanes with walls half meeting overhead wind off to streets one may or may not know, where feeble moonlight soon sheds spectral glow over long rows of windows, dark and dead. There are no footfalls, and the one soft sound is of the oily water as it glides under stone bridges and along the sides of its deep flume to some vague ocean bound. None lives to tell when that stream washed away its dream-lost region from the world of clay. The winter sunset flames beyond the spires, and chimneys half detached from this dull sphere open great gates to some forgotten year of elder splendors and divine desires. Expectant wonder burn in those rich fires, adventure fraught and not untinged with fear. A row of sphinxes where the way leads clear towards walls and turrets quivering to far lyres. It is some land where beauty's meaning flowers, where every unplaced memory has a source, where the great river time begins its course down the vast void in starlit streams of hours. Dreams bring us close, but ancient lore repeats that human tread has never soiled these streets. And from what crypt they crawl I cannot tell, yet by the moon I see the rubbery things, black horned and slender with membranous wings, and tails that bear the 
bifid barb of hell. They come in legions on the north wind swell, with obscene clutch that titillates and stings, snatching me off on monstrous voyagings to gray worlds hidden deep in nightmare's well. Over the jagged peaks of Thok they sweep, heedless of the cries I try to make, and down the nether pits to that foul lake where the puffed Shoggoths splash in doubtful sleep. But oh, if they would only make some sound, or wear a face where faces should be found. And in my dream, a great bird whispers queerly of some black cone amid the polar waste, pushing above the ice sheet lone and drearly by storm-crazed eons battered and defaced. Hither no known earth shapes take their course, and only pale auroras and faint suns glow on that pitted rock whose primal sources are guessed at dimly by the Elder Ones. If men should glimpse it, they would merely wonder what tricky mound of nature's build they spied. But the great bird told of vaster parts that under mile-deep ice shrouds crouch and brood and bide. God help the dreamer whose mad visions show those dead eyes set in crystal gulfs below. Spires, the harbor whistles wake me in the night. Throats from strange ports, beaches far and white, and fabulous oceans ranged in motley choirs. Each to the other, alien and unknown, yet all by some obscurely focused force, from brooding gulfs beyond the zodiac's course, fused into one mysterious cosmic drone. In shadowy dreams they send a marching line of still more shadowed shapes and hints and views. Strange echoes from outer voids and subtle clues to things which they themselves cannot define. But in that distant chorus, faintly blent, I catch some notes no earth ships ever sent. It is a certain hour of twilight glooms, mostly in autumn when first the star wind pours, down hilltop streets deserted out of doors, but showing early lamplight from snug rooms. The dead leaves rush in strange fantastic twists, and chimney smoke whirls round with alien grace, heeding geometries from distant outer space. 
while Fomalhaut peers in through southward mists. This is the hour when moonstruck poets know what fungi sprout in Yagoth, and what scents and tints of flowers fill Nython's continents, such as in no poor earthly garden blow. Yet for each dream these winds to us convey, a dozen more of ours, they sweep away. <laughs>